Hey everybody, welcome to Starseed Symphony. This is Cassidy. Uh, I'd like to bid you welcome. This episode is going to be about mythologues and understanding kind of the scope of, of, of life and what's going on in the universe. Uh, first comment goes to David Nash with what's up? Second goes to Kristen Harding with hello, followed by Melanie Champagne with hi! Hey Susan, hey David, hey everybody. So, uh, this is going to be kind of kind of direct. The first subject we're going to be talking about is mythologues. Now, I bring up mythologues a lot, and I haven't really spent a whole lot of time explaining them. Now, there's a major difference between mythologues and mythologies. Okay, a lot of a lot of people a lot of people get get hung up. Like especially when I say Christian mythology, they get mad. It, there's no reason to. You see, mythology doesn't. The word mythology does not imply that the things we're talking about are fake. The words mythology imply that it happened so long ago and with such different circumstances that we don't quite understand the events. It doesn't mean fiction. All right. Now, a really great example of this is you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's true that it's a that's a biblical story, but it's also true that it really you know is you know it really did happen. You know, our, our anthropologists have found Sodom and you know, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, astro uh, astrophysicists and, astro and astronomers have figured out what exactly happened. Chemists have figured out the chemical reactions that caused everything. I mean, it's a done deal. Does that mean that you know God stretched out his flaming sword? No, not necessarily. But that's the mythologue. You see that Christians use. Now there are others. You know, there are there are tribal you know tribal tribal peoples from the reason from the region that have their own mythologues of what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. They're not all Christian stories, you see. So when you were talking about a mythologue, we're talking about something that is an analog to a real world event or phenomenon or person. Okay. Now, for example, okay, if you could if you were to argue that Jesus himself is not real. Or, or, or never existed, which you're going to have a, you're going to have an argument on your hands. But if you were to make the statement that Jesus himself was not real, right? But the Christ consciousness is, and the benefits of living a good life are real, then you might say that Jesus was a mythologue for the Christ consciousness. Okay, um, a very 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 good example of this is the uh, Greek pantheon. The gods in the Greek pantheon were mythologues for actual events and you know some could say people jason says tribals tribal tales history yet distorted by time and such exactly hey man bobby sup hey david everything's going really good actually you like the countdown melanie <sighs> so when i say when i when i when i refer to a mythologue you know, during during the shows, what I'm saying is that this event or, or phenomenon or, or, or entity or whatever really did happen or exist, even though the tales of it might be a little bit weird, you know. <clears throat> so, you know, very, very common to this is, you know, things like stories of how the rain happened or stories of, of how earthquakes happened. You know, a uh, really, really great example of this in pop culture recently would be Maui from the Moana TV, from the Moana show, movie, whatever. In the stories, Maui is kind of the mythologue for why all these things happen, which is why, you know, there's that song, you know, you're welcome. Okay. In the, for example, in the uh, Polynesian stories, Maui is the reason why the sky is so high. 
and palm trees are the way they are because this, the sky used to be only about 20 feet off the ground until one day Maui got up there and lifted the sky. So that's a mythologue to explain why palm trees splay out like that. Okay? Now, does that mean it's true? Possibly. You know, when, we, when one considers the gravitational shifts of the, of the Earth, you know, throughout time, it is entirely possible that humans witnessed a time period where the gravity was, you know, pulling harder, you know, on those particular, on those particular trees, you know, or something like that. Or maybe it's just a story. But that's kind of that's kind of why it's on why it's up to us to analyze these these things with fresh eyes. Every time, every time society moves forward with a new understanding of science, it's time to reanalyze these things. You know, so many, for example, about the Bible. So many biblical sites have been found now that it's time to take another look. You know, just reason, reasonably and rationally, we've found Jericho. Uh, anthropologists found Jericho. They know that what brought down the walls is massive, si massive sudden seismic uh, impact, which kind of lends credence to the story of how the Jews brought down Jericho. You know, it's time to time to look at these things, especially with the awakening upon us. You know, people are re remembering other lives, especially those of you who can remember other lives as angels or gods, or some of you can remember a, a past life where you where you spent time as a star. You know. Jason says, so you can have many myths to the same mythological event. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for example, my favorite example of that in particular is the Tower of Babylon. Literally every culture has their own version of the Tower of Babel. Okay, literally. So the idea that the Saudis, you know, found the, the, the site of the actual Tower of Babylon is kind of questionable because the Native Americans have the, have, have the Tower of Babel. So do the Vikings. So do the Chinese. So do the, so, you know, every culture understands Babylon, even if they don't call it Babylon. So the story of Babylon itself, how they built the tower high, high to the sky, blah, 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 blah. Languages got changed, etc., etc. That's a mythologue for what we can, for so far, what we can surmise is a real, actual event, simply because so many cultures record it, and it was shaped. It has shaped every culture on the planet's history. So it's time to take a look at that mythologue, fresh eyes, you know. Jason says, "Sound say two k plus horns." Yeah. You know, not to mention an army of like what is it, five hundred thousand stomping in unison around the city for like thirty days or whatever, whatever, whatever the actual thing is. But the point is, is is the 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 walls have been found and there is evidence of sudden seismic shock. You know, the march, 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 and then the horns, it brought the wall down. Now, is that you know? Does that mean that God didn't do it? No, not at all. But it is evidence that these stories happened. You see, David says could be a true pre-atmospheric Earth. I believe at one time Earth had no water and thus no atmosphere, so the sky would be low. Actually, that's not terribly far from the truth, David Nash, and that that uh, that goes back to the to a theory called the firmament shell theory. And if this is true, which there's actually there actually is a shit ton of evidence for it. But if it's true, that would actually also explain, you know, why the stories record the deluge as like the first rain. Because while the firmament shell was was up, you know, in the actual atmosphere, the air pressure was a lot higher. 
you know, and the humidity was a lot higher. And there is evidence that the sea level was tremendously lower because all the all the moisture was in the atmosphere. It was the, the whole planet was a hothouse except for basically the polar regions. And they were just kind of nice, you know. That's if this story is true. We'll talk about the uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the firmament shell theory in the future. Don't worry. So and that brings us to my people. This is Starseed Symphony, after all, as well as the other starseeds. Okay. Um, Jason says Babylon is a metaphor for a city that doesn't support itself, spoiled by its neighbors. It's an unsupported populace with privileges from the former society, but that doesn't explain the the the, the fundamental and sudden eruption of language change. You see what I mean? All the different cultures have a different version of the story. They all pretty much tell the same thing, you know, the same themes, but they don't all account for the same phenomenon. You see? It, it goes back to that theory that everyone has a little piece of understanding, and, and to in order to put, put it all together, we're going to have to come together and share our knowledge, which is kind of what I'm betting my whole life on. So as I said, that brings us to EBEs, Lyrans, things like that. Um, now, the UFO crowd calls us feline Lyrans. True. Okay. The you know, certain aspects of Hindus call us Raksha. I can't say the word. You know what I mean? You know, we have a word. We have there are words for us in every language it's because we've been with you for a very, very long time. None of these words truly paint the picture. You know, for example, if I were, were to say I'm an ET, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I was born here. You know, I have a social security number. I did not come down on a spaceship, right, by human standards. By my people's standards, very much was. You see what I mean? The problem is, is that humans over, over, the, over, over the centuries have tried to explain us and ETs and, you know, quote-unquote Anunnaki in, in, in a variety of ways, and none of them really work because they're all simply mythologues, okay? Is it true that we were actual humanoid felines? Yes. But does that matter here? No. Does that actually carry weight beyond a sort of weird pseudo-spiritual belief? Not really. We're all here. We must do what we can with who we are and the resources we have. Okay. Now, that being said, I do stand by my claims. You know, my you know, capabilities speak for themselves. My actions speak for themselves. My DNA speaks for itself. But how we, we arrived here is radically different. The technology is so different and of such a different grade that all we really have to use to explain this is mythologues, you know. So you see our, 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 our ships, ships in the sky and you make up a story that explains them. But none of these stories are exactly true. We've I've been having this trouble a lot with starseeds because starseeds always tend, always tend to see the insides of our ships the same way. And that you know, creates a level of consistency. The problem is, is that some people take that and, and try to add like technical specs and shit like oh this is a this is a, a titanium barrier and this is where they well, this is where the hospital is and they grow food over here and they try to they try to make it fit to human ideals and it simply doesn't okay the inside of our ships is a reality engine you see what you need to see you you, you remember 
you remember things any way that the biological meat brain can. But while you're there, there's no body. There's only plasma. You know, there's only sapient energy. That's the actual, you know, empirical science of it. So when I so that was what makes me really annoyed when they say, oh, there's 22,000 crew members. What? You know, they see, you know, people see it this way because that is the mythologue by which they see. And that brings us to a phenomenon called the veil. All right. Now, the veil is a psychological phenomenon, psychic phenomenon. It's really, really hard to describe. You could even you could even safely say that the veil is a matrix phenomenon. You know, it's not really real. So we'll go into that in just a second. We'll, we'll take some questions before we go into the veil. Uh, David says, okay, but to have ice must have had water prior. True. Um, Jason says, ice is why we have atmosphere, an atmosphere ice ages. That, that's not exactly true. Uh, we have ice ages because of, you know, wobbles in the uh, atmosphere, or not atmosphere, in the uh, planet. It's um, ever since the Younger Dryas event, Ice Ages didn't really exist before the Younger Dryas event. You know, not 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 like they do today. You know, it's everything. Everything is 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 really screwed up. So, um, all right. David says, of course, you know, things like gases and methane. All, all that, that's true. You can have ice. There are lots of kinds of ice, not just water, watery ice. Basically, the idea for the for the firmament shell, there is a layer of uh, atmosphere which is very near absolute zero. It's actually colder than space, for for whatever reason. I don't understand it myself. In that atmosphere, or in that layer of atmosphere, it is entirely possible to suspend uh, essentially hydrogen crystals. Okay. Now, if this were to happen, this would create a layer of hydrogen crystals. That would basically put a shell around the around the Earth, and would radically increase the um, basically the uh, air pressure and the humidity. It would also create a uh, like a blanket of pink light over the entire planet, which would calm everything down. It's believed that humans and humans arose in this environment, and that's and that 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 is a mythologue for the Garden of Eden. You know, hey Richard. David says nuclear winter or even a super caldera going off could make an ice age. That is also true, but that ice age would be very, very short. It wouldn't be the geologically scaled ice ages that, that you know, people mean. You know, it wouldn't, uh, something like that, like even if the Yellowstone caldera were to go off, it wouldn't create a two mile thick sheet of ice over in New York City. That takes thousands of years, you know. Jason says, Dryas event have anything to do with the planet's destruction, say, refer to asteroid belt? Yes, everything to do with it. Uh, what is known by science is that when the younger Dryas event happened, a comet or basically a, a celestial body hit the Earth in eight places. Right now, this the, the, it, it, it connected with a tremendous impact that knocked the Earth, Earth a little bit off its axis, axis, whatever. It also caused a massive worldwide flood. Mm. I highly recommend everyone look up the Younger Dryas event. It's it, it's a very pivotal point. So, uh, Jason says Van Oyer or whatever. Are you talking about the asteroid belts? Hmm. Anyway, 
Pwah. So, anyhow, uh, Shannon says the Sumerians credit Anki for that, making all men understand each other. Yeah, the, but the Sumerians also credit, uh, I think it was either Anki or Enlil for the comet and the Great Flood. For the for the comet and the Great Flood. Yeah, I, I can never, I, I, I always get them confused. All right. Okay, fair enough. So Enki is the good guy, yeah. All right. So, according to the Sumerians, Enlil sent the uh, sent the comet that caused the Younger Dryas event, or the Great Flood, which now we know to be the Younger Dryas event, which is one of the reasons why I try to get people to understand that the Sumerian accounts are were, but by the time the Sumerians wrote it down, it was already a hundred thousand years ago. You see what I mean? So it's just one of those things. David says, I love Sumerian history, the cuneiform scripts. Exactly, bro. Uh, but again, you got to remember, by the time the, Sumer the Sumerians wrote this stuff down, it was in their prehistory. You know, a lot of people forget that. No, Enlil and Jehovah are not the same person. Oh, God, that annoys the crap out of me. If Jehovah is the word for source and Enlil is Jehovah, then how does Enlil have a father and a grandfather and brothers and sisters and a life cycle? And how did he die of old age? And how did he have kids? It, it, mm, sorry, guys, but the idea that Enlil is Jehovah and all that shit, it's, it's pure bupkis. I'm sorry. Uh, Enki and Enlil were extra biological, or not extra biologicals, I'm sorry. They were extraterrestrial biologicals from the planet that you guys know as Nibiru. They were just dudes. High-ranking dudes, but still dudes. Now, if you want to talk about the entities that they were claiming to be, you're getting closer. But again, <clears throat> if if Yahweh is source, then Yahweh cannot be Enki or Enlil because they had a father, they had a grandfather, they have a family tree, they are mortal. So, yeah, we'll say she ain't right about everything, man. I understand. Okay, keep in mind, I, I I have a great deal of respect for for Zachariah Sitchin. No offense, though, but he wasn't there. He's a very very intelligent human who figured out more than anyone could have ever expected. You know, primates to figure out because most people don't give humans enough credit. I do. You see what I mean? But he wasn't there. I was. I know who Enkian and Lil are, personally. So, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't want to, I don't want to trash Sitchin because what he was able to translate is truly astounding, really, you know. Hi, Liana. Jason says, I blame that on the last collision of our solar system with another some 40 million years ago. Uh, I'm, it, it, it's, it, it too far I, I don't understand the context what are you blaming on the last collision of our soul in our solar system some 40 million years ago are you, are you talking about the the quote-unquote asteroid that killed the dinosaurs are you talking about the uh, the Nibiru cycle that uh, took out Maldek which by the way I actually worked out what Maldek's proper name should be in the current in the current naming scheme and now I can't remember it I think it should be Kronos. I think. I have to check my notes. 
Hi, Liana. But yeah, Sitchin, Sitchin was was really really clever, but he's not working with the same sensory package or experiences. Um, most of what he says is is pretty bang on, though. Really, you know, his theory that Enlil and Jehovah are the same are the same being does have some basis. However, mm-hmm. the thing is, Sitchin was going off of the idea that the entity that that calls itself Jehovah is not really the real Jehovah but rather a, le- a lesser entity impersonating Jehovah. In which case, then, then you're absolutely right. You see what I mean? In that context, Hitchin was, 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 was correct. You know? But there's, there's context and things one has to understand. So. David says he's talking about the Tiamat collision that made the Pacific Ocean. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, so basically, yeah. Killed the dinosaurs. I wouldn't. I don't know if it was forty million years ago. That's not my area. I don't know. Could be. Probably. What I do. What I can tell you about that is that geologists don't actually know where the layers of Earth begin and end. It's all based on guesswork. They actually don't. They actually can't scientifically date the layers of sediment sediment in which they find dinosaur bones. They have to judge by geolog, ge, geological guess. The dinosaurs could have actually died you know significantly sooner or significantly later you know it could have been significantly less than 60 million years it also could have been significantly more than 60 million years we don't really won't really know until science has a way to carbon date rocks or something the equivalent which they're getting close Yes, yeah, Sitchin was a linguistic genius. He was better with languages than I could ever hope to be. That's one of the reasons why I say all props to Mr. Sitchin. You know, if, if he was working with the same century package I would uh, that I am, he would have been able to give you a lot better information than I can. You see what I mean? He's like, he's up here, Cassidy down here. It's just Cassidy has some more information. That's all. Sitchin, Cassidy. Sitchin, Cassidy. Sitchin, Cassidy. <laughs> hey, Donnie. Yeah, he, he really, really was. It's just that, like I said, he wasn't working with uh, all the information. If he had the, uh, for example, the genetic information that biologists have now, he could probably come up with a much better model than I have, even having been there. You see what I mean? So. David says, exactly, there are stegosaurs on the Angkor Wat Temple. Exactly! <laughs> okay, okay, David gets a lion point. I have no idea what we're going to do with lion points yet, but we'll figure something out. You get a lion point, bro. Yes, there are, in fact, stegosaurs at Angkor, on, on, depicted at Angkor Wat. You know what the best part is? I'm going to do the crazy eyes. Crazy eyes. The best part is they're not exactly stegosaurs. But uh, if you examine the evolutionary path of stegosaurs and then look at the depictions on Angkor Wat, it's consistent. Yeah, it's pretty scary. The thing is, the jungles of Cambodia, there very well could be dinosaurs in there. We don't know. Um, There are places in Cambodia which are just as off the map as the Congo. So, Jason says, like 100,000 years ago with the last pulsar, we will never know. Yeah, it could be. Like I I said, I don't don't do years. Um, I can't do years. That's not something I could do. So I I trust Sitchin's numbers. Um, You guys, I've quoted Sitchin's numbers several times on this show when I point out that according to Sitchin and his translation, Nibiru passed through in 2016. We're good, you know. 
if you want to bring up like an alternate method of time of temporal reckoning, sure, great. But Sitchin said 2016. So, <laughs> Shannon says, could Stegosaurus be Baby Godzilla's crawling around? I hope so. My vote is Baby Godzilla's. It is 2020, folks. It's 2020. We got to get some Godzilla action here. Jason says more skeletons are found with genetic material material found in tar pits, but we never hear about the results of the time. Oh yes, that's a fun subject. Point of fact, uh, <clears throat> I, I maintain some of my some some of my colleagues in deep biology, and uh, it's more than simply genetic material in uh, in tar pits. They've actually found living genetic material inside fossils, still living, you know organisms the question is is it really dinosaur organisms or is it a microbiome created by bacteria that survived on the on the on the uh, genetic you know on the on the tissue we shall know soon my loves so donnie says i want a good morning coffee shop co coffee cup and maybe a shirt shirts are next shirts are next i i just figured out the the merch site so i i got the uh, i got the the uh, the artwork turned into a vector, so higher quality stuff is coming. Liana says, "I think that some of our history is going to be way different than most think. Be be prepared for possibly being shocked, all of us, including me." So, David says, "Have you seen the drawings of the reptilian angels from the Sumerian pictographs? Could be where myth of Godzilla came from." I don't think I have actually. So, uh, Jason says, yeah, bacteria and gene formations. I exactly. There might be some, some use of some viable dino DNA in there, though. We, 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 will, we will find out soon. So, David says, watchers. Oh, okay, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the Gregorheim are a little bit different. Okay, now some people say they're angels. They might be. I don't know. But the Gregorheim are a slightly different uh, species than, say, for example, Raphael and Michael. You know, but that actually brings it back to the subject, mythologues, right? So we're going to assume, for the sake of of argument, that uh, that the archangel Michael. We're just going to focus on the archangel Michael because he's everybody's favorite archangel. Well, for the most part, is the archangel Michael real? And if so, is it really a dude with curly black hair and wings coming out of his back all swinging around naked in the garden? Hmm? No. <laughs> okay, so we're going to assume that the Archangel Michael is real for, this, for the purposes of this. I do believe this is to be true, but that's a belief. Okay. Is he really a dude with wings? No. That's a mythologue. Is any of the uh, per perceptions of angels truly accurate? No, they're all mythologues. Ezekiel tried, you know, tried you know, in the book of Ezekiel, they try their best to to describe it by saying, "Look, it, it's geometric patterns of light, wheels within wheels, with myriads of eyes." You know, it, he he lacked the understanding to own, to know what he was looking at, and the language to describe. So we have these mythologues. You see what I mean? And there's evidence, there's a lot of evidence, actually, to support the idea that the people that wrote those initial books were high on DMT, you know, burning acacia can do that. So, you know, 
but that's what the purpose of using your your sense of discernment is is all, is all for you you must decide for yourself what you believe to be true don't listen to this crazy hippie you know so these mythologues they're describing extremely high dimensional beings so so high dimension that even my people don't want to describe don't want to try to describe them so how do you how how do you how do you how do you communicate the idea you use a mythologue you know in our in our case in the modern society the idea that angels are dudes with wings comes from a previous idea in greece from a species of, of a spiritual entity called the Pucci, which were depicted as people with wings humans with wings now does that mean that as that if the Pucci were real they were actually dudes walking around all naked with wings no okay even the Pucci were described that way to sort of get across the idea that they could fly, that they could fly, they could be anywhere, you know, that they were of or related to the gods. Hence, why you know the Catholics adopted the the imagery for angels. Melanie says Archangel Michael has white blonde hair and looks just like us with gray cloak. Cool. You know, I've seen my, the Archangel Michael depicted in many ways. You know, so again, we're talking about you know mythologues. So, are angels big? Yes, angels are huge. Um, angels are... If you could actually perceive an angel in, in their natural form, uh, the, Bible, the Bible says that angels are so big that their voices can be heard 150,000 firmaments away, or something, something like that. Um, that's big. That means that their body is larger than a, a large star. You see what I mean? So, you got to figure what did he mean by firmaments? That, that that's a question. The thing is, angels have to break them, themselves up to enter this multiverse, same as most souls, same as most souls, same as you guys. This multiverse is not strong enough to contain a, a a single soul fully manifested. Hence, the need for reincarnation. David says yes. Said yes. Enoch described him as blonde. Well. I see him as energy. So, Shannon says, replying to Bobby, yes and no. We have to figure out at what point infinitely small becomes infinitely big. Good point. I think angels aren't subjected to 3D rules, so they can't be anywhere on that scale. No, they have to do a process called transubstantiation to arrive here. And this is this is like old knowledge. Okay, this goes goes way back to before before you know Christ, Christendom. Angels must transubstantiate to come here. And that's what uh, that's what the, the watchers did, you know. Ideally, you know, they transubstantiated so that they could, you know, take human wives. Transubstantiation is not a difficult process, but it is a painful one. Trust me. Kristen says I've I've seen angels as energy also. Shannon says Arcturians, Pleiadians, and Norns are all described as blonde too. Yeah, but that's not. It, so are my people. There's something about the way humans tend to see light hair. Like even amongst the Native Americans, they see star children as having light hair in the spirit world. I, I wish I understood what that was all about. You know, my extra senses are confined more or less to energy patterns. So I, you know, energy patterns and sh shamanistic mythologues. I don't see things the way you guys see them. You know. Right. An alien that shows up 
Okay. And actually, you bring up a really good point that ties back into the subject. You know, we all, we've all seen paintings of like Shiva, you know, Kali, you know, Ganesha. They always have this blue skin, right? The thing is, is the 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 the, the, uh, the, the, the Vedics and later the Hindus kept very meticulous records on this subject. Okay, they weren't saying that Shiva was walking around on Earth all blue. You know, he looked human. Kali looked human. You see, they looked unbearably human undeniably human you could not mistake them as a non-human but if you could see their aura devas devas have a specific color aura and yes anyway it's a specific like uh, like blue electricity like a blue electricity they describe it as a bluish yellow no not green you see what i mean so the only way that the artist could depict this is to color the skin the way they saw the way the aura was described it's the only way they could do it, you know, with the, with the, with the, with cultural limitations. But if Shiva walked the earth today, you would just you know, look like you or me, you know. The only people who'd be able to tell the difference are psychics, you know, because they could see his aura and they'd be like, <gasps> "Oh, David, Deva, Deva." So, uh, David says, "I can't hear. You can't hear what? Me. Oh, you can't hear Shannon. Okay, so project. I'll I'll lean in when you when I'll lean in." Okay. Uh, Jason says energy and ethereal difference is what you're explaining. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, ethereal is uh, ethereal ether ether is a specific substance. Um, it's not an energy specifically. It's a it's a it's a thing. It's it's a thing. You know what I mean? Um, it's not a, an atomic. Uh, it's an, it's not an atomic particle, but it's a thing. You see what I mean? Whereas energy is not uh energy is is not a thing energy is like a reaction or or a phenomenon you see what i mean ether is a thing like if you could grab you, you could scoop yourself a handful of ether and make something out of it assuming you had the technology so jason says when we astral plane we are ethereal Sometimes astral projecting actually encompasses quite a lot of, di of, of, of disciplines once you start to understand it in the high resolution. Uh, for example, there is um, various types of clairvoyance which allow you to see sideways or perceive sideways within the 3D world, right? And then there's also astral projection, there's ethereal projection, there's you know, dream walking. These are all different phases of energy realm that humans tend to lump together. So, hey, Pedro. So, all right. Uh, I guess that's going to be it for now, uh, unless you guys have questions. So I, I think we've pretty much covered the, the idea of what a mythologue is. So we can refer back to this episode in the future <laughs> and uh, when we're talking about these things, because it, it really it, it cannot be understated that most of what humans believe about the ETs and the council and things like that most of that is a mythologue that is specifically a way for your brain to handle the information but in reality like an empirical reality a lot of this stuff is taking place on denser on basically hyperdense and subdense frequencies i'm losing my i'm losing my ability to vocalize here So, do, 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 do. Liana says, my biological mother on Earth is gone now, and she's Arcturian. She shows up as blue. Might have hair. I don't notice too much. 
you know, a lot of the races tend to show up as blue Arcturians and uh, uh, Pleiadians especially. Jason says, touching something takes my breath away. While doing so, your prayer you sent has helped me a lot. I'm glad, bro. It's what we do, you know? It's what I'm here for. It's, believe me, there are days I wish I was up there, you know, doing the cool stuff, but somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to do the shit work. Anyway, that concludes Starseed Symphony. Uh, unless you guys, unless anybody has any questions while I'm doing the outro thing. Um, yeah, this, it, I, starting next episode of Starseed Symphony, there's actually a structure. I just wanted to get through these basic concepts before we, we you know, before we tackle like a, a you know like a syllabus or anything like that. Next time, next episode is ETs versus EBEs. What is the difference between an extrabiological entity and an extraterrestrial? There's a world of difference. Okay, yeah. very 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 important to understand the difference, especially in especially in the coming years. And that being said, we have 13 months to correct to correct this timeline. I don't want to scare anybody. You know, it's not the end of the world if we don't. All right. But we have 13 months to get things back to where we want them as a people. It's time to come together. Okay. That's all the time we have for now, dear lights. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit that like button and share with your friends. We have a great many people to reach, but we are only as strong as our signal. The world can be a scary place, but you don't have to face it alone. We love you, everybody. Be safe out there.